You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. So we have a special treat this morning. The beautiful Jay is going to be preaching. So we're excited to see what she has to share with us this morning. Welcome, Jay. Thanks, hey? Morning. Get my hair out of the way. (laughs) How are you going? All right. Come on. You know who's in the house this morning. Stand up. Let's get up. She's bossy. (laughs) All right, guys. Reach out your hands towards me. And I would love your prayers. How does that sound? All right. So active participation in church is we get from God as much as we're willing to receive. So let's trust God this morning that he's going to speak through me. You ready? I'll accept. (laughs) Father, we just thank you this morning for all that you have for all of us, for everything you have. And let us be a people who not only receive, but give out. And as we're receiving, let us give back. Father, let us be an active, participating church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. Please don't go quiet on me because I find it's actually harder to tell you all that's in me when you get quiet, okay? So stir yourselves up. Come on. <laughs> you don't have to be quiet, Tiffany. It's all good. Um, Hello. It's exciting to be in church. It's exciting to see what God's going to get up to. And you know, sometimes it can be a bit of a challenge to get here. Does anyone else feel that occasionally? Yeah? Anyone else have their battles? Yeah. Happens to all of us. Happened to even me this morning. Um, but I, know, I knew I had to get here. And we need to all be like that, no matter what we're doing, no matter... Yeah, get here. (laughs) It's a good place to be, if you can. So at the moment, um, we're in the midst of a series, a really great series. Have we got the background there? Have you got the title of that there at all? No, okay. We're talking about our identity. This is us. Who is Bayside? What's God called us to do? Who has he called us to be? And why even talk about it? Sometimes it's good to talk about it. Sometimes it's good to know who we are. It's good to know whose we are. Do we know whose we are? Well, if if you don't, I'm going to share a bit more about that this morning. But it's good to know who we are. And in that, what he's called us to do. So a number of years ago, we put some pillars up here in the church. It came out of a heart of knowing exactly who we are. And as as an eldership, we got together and we just talked about what are some of the main things that we want to be known as, as a church. Now, we know that we're called Bayside. Who knows that? Uh, In our title of our name, we've got the word church. So we're a church. And like Daryl pointed out last week, we are international. Because written right from the very day that we were born was a heart of we wanted to be more than just a church that is for this area. Now, we want to be a church that is for this community, 100%. 
We are in this community. We are for this community. There is a lot more that in the future we are going to do into this community and not only bless this community with, but in fact, instill heaven on earth into our community. Who's with us? Yeah? Who's ready to be an active participant in that? But he's not only called us to that, he's also called us into other realms and he's called us into other nations. And that's been prophesied a number of times over and it's been spoken many times from those who've gotten up on this pulpit talking about pulpit, pulpit. How do you say that? Um, Many times it's been talked about and it's been massaged in and it's an important aspect of who we are. I'm not fully going to go into that this morning. But this morning I want to go into Bayside. Who are we? And to do that, I'm going to start in Matthew 16 and stop waffling. How does that sound? Matthew 16. All right. I'm just going to read this one in the message this morning. Is that all right? I just really liked how this was written. I read from a number of different versions of the Bible. I love comparing and seeing what exactly is God saying in these situations. And I just love how... Um, It's put in the message. Verse 13. So we're in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. This is um, Jesus talking, and he's come to talk to his disciples. And he says this, talking about the church, remember? When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about the Son of Man? Who are they saying I am? And they replied, Some think he is John the baptizer, some say he is Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He pressed them, and how about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus came back. He said, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven God himself lets you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church. Listen to this. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom... Come on, that's pretty cool. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on, on earth is yes in heaven, and a no on earth is a no in heaven. You see, understanding who we are comes when we understand who he is. Simon Peter had this revelation of who he is because he understood that Jesus was the Messiah. He got a revelation of that. And out of that revelation, um, God said, now, Peter, you know who you are. You are like me, but you're a little version. That's my translation. (laughs) We need to know who we are. And that is what church is all about. It's about being established in such a way that we get an opportunity to meet God and then he can reveal who we are. With that in mind, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. The 
This morning I'm going to be talking about what it means to be the temple. The temple of truth. What it means to be a gathering. It's, it's number two on there. If you want to know anything about growth, go back and have a listen to Chad's preach from a few weeks ago. If you want an introduction to this whole um, series that we're on, go back a few weeks before that and you'll get Chad's great introduction. Actually, that will really help you to understand this morning's message. I'm not very good at summarising his words. Um, I don't know about you. Have you ever tried? (laughs) He's awesome, but to summarise him? I just can't go there, so I'm not going to even try. Um, And then last week, oh my goodness, giving prophetic partners to not only have someone come in and share about what it means to be a prophetic church and what it means to have prophetic partners, but to actually have someone come in and give us full revelation of that, to um, demonstrate it. How awesome is that? You can't get a better teaching. And I think he, um, Daryl last week just laid down some beautiful truths that are worth holding on to and building upon. And I hope if you haven't had the chance that you will get the chance to listen to it. I don't think it's up yet, but it will be up soon. Let's turn to 1 Peter 2. So we're talking about the temple. We're talking about being a temple of truth. We're talking about being a gathering. And I guess my question is, is why gather? Because we love Christ is a beautiful answer. But let's expand upon that this morning. 1 Peter 2. Let's start in verse 4. I'm reading it from the NIV now, and I think you'll be able to follow along as well. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen in God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe the stone is precious. I'm going to finish there. To you who believe the stone is precious. Who are we as a people of God? We are living stones. Yeah? And living stones are really important. But we don't build our our lives upon each other, upon living stones. We build our lives upon someone called Jesus Christ. A bit like the story before where um, in Matthew, where Peter says, I know who you are, God. And now, uh, Jesus. (laughs) Jesus says to Peter, I know who you are now. Peter says to Jesus, I know who you are. And therefore Jesus was able to say to Peter, now this is who you are. It is as we establish ourselves as a church on the rock that we can understand who we are created to be. Okay? The foundation, all I'm trying to say at the end of the day is we are living stones. And our foundation is Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, I am battling not feeling 100% well. So it's, you know when your brain's a little bit slower when you're not feeling 100% well? That might be happening just a little bit. I accept your prayers for wellness. (laughs) Verse 9. 
This is who we are. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who is called out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That is who we've called to be. So the picture of church is a really interesting one. And I love how Chad put it a few weeks ago. He said, you know, um, you can have two slabs of concrete when it comes to the building of a house. You can have two slabs of concrete that look exactly the same. Their foundation is exactly the same. Jesus Christ. But when things are begun, when, when the pillars are put up, when the framing is put up, you can start to notice that the church is going to look quite different. Or the two buildings are going to look quite different. The reason for that is even on two slabs of cement that are exactly the same, you can have two completely looking buildings, true? One can be one story, one can be two story. One can have three bathrooms, one can have one bathroom. Whilst the foundation is the same, the framework and the building can be very different. And that is exactly the same with church. And that is a really beautiful thing. When I stand here and I release the fullness of who God is in me, I'm a very powerful person. Who else agrees with that? Who knows that they are powerful people? I can't hear you. How powerful are you? Who knows that they're powerful? Hang on a minute. Come on. Who knows they're powerful? Come on. Come on. We can respond in this house. Um, I know that I'm a powerful person. I know that I have all of God living and working through me and through my life. True? But God is so much bigger than me. And the full revelation of God through me is not the full revelation of God. True? When I stand up here next to Chad, you get a greater version, <laughs> you get a greater measure of who God is. Because together we reveal more than we can ever reveal on our own. When we get a few more people up here, I don't know why I'm using the stage as an example, but whatever, few more people, then the potential for a greater measure of God to be released is possible. Why? Because on my own, I'm not, I'm not very powerful. No, on my own, I'm completely powerful and I'm completely able to release a full measure of God. But in our togetherness, God is big. He is really big. He is greater than any of us. So it is in our togetherness that a greater measure is able to be revealed. And this is the beautiful picture of the church. And this is the beautiful picture that is being talked about here in 1 Peter, is it's living stones built together release a greater measure of who God is, or at least have the potential to. Should we as individuals understand the great measure that God has called to come through us and also in our togetherness? True? That's a really good picture. It's a really good one to remember. I say this to say that. I was standing in worship one day many years ago and, um, and I was just loving the presence of God. And it was in this place that I started seeing a screen flash before me. It was a bit like a movie, I don't know what movie, 
but it was a computer screen, something like I'd never seen before. And this computer screen, I was able to move things. Actually, it's kind of probably one of those CSI things, you know. We've got the fingerprint in the background that will help with the imaginations. But I had this screen in front of me. And on this screen, I was able to move things around. Really, really cool. We should have one in all of our houses. There's probably only one person in this room who potentially has one in their house, but I don't even think they're here today. Anyway, um, there was this screen in front of me. And I reached in to like move something on this screen. And as I did, I stepped into another church. And so I'm in this church and I'm hearing the worship music in the church, but I can see a picture of another church. And I was like, whoa, that place looks really fun. That looks really cool. And it was as that happened that the screen stops being a flat screen, became a round screen, and it started spinning around. And during worship, I could put my hand in, and at any moment, I could experience another aspect of church. And God just revealed to my heart, he said, you think you've seen what church looks like, but your imagination needs to be widened. And I was like, wow. You know, as each and every one of us is created totally different. Don't, don't you just look around. Don't, do you watch people? Chad and I actually, we love sitting in Rundle Mall and just watching people because people are fascinating. Others go to the movies. We go for a date. We go sit in Rundle Mall. What are they up to? I wonder why they're doing that. Um, I say that to say that full realm of creativity that exists within my life and within the person sitting next to me, the person sitting next to them, is the full measure of creativity that God has for the church. And church can look amazing. You see everybody in this space? Together, we have the ability to create a picture of church that is far bigger than what you've imagined. And far more exciting than what you've imagined. And you know, since I had that picture, and you guys can all, that's yours now. It's yours to keep. Store, file, click. Every time you walk into a church now, be excited by the different aspects of God that are revealed to your heart on that day. And be encouraged to encourage others to extend their reach further. You know, there's, there's a bad side to that picture. <laughs> and that is that since having that picture... I've watched as churches around the world, as I've just gone into different churches, they kind of look too same-same. I'm saying this on, on tape as well, or on tape. What am I, in the 80s? Um, I know, where did that come from? That was deep, deep, deep down. That was deep truth. Um, <laughs> I say this so people on podcasts here too. I say this so that those in this room who are going to plant churches into the future, whatever that looks like, I say this to say, you know, within our cultures, there is such great diversity and it is beautiful and it is created by God. But sometimes that culture is shoved aside, left outside the door, and then we come in and we do church. Well, can, I, can we bring that, that culture in? The, the aspects of the Australian culture that are good, Bring it in. 
Come on, let us celebrate who God created us to be. We absolutely should be singing songs from other churches because that provides an aspect of God that perhaps we are not going to release on our own, but we should be writing our own songs. Yeah, there's good within us to come out. We should be reading books from outside, but we should be writing our own books. We should be developing strategies from outside, ideas from outside. But let us like trust what God has put within us and create strategies for our community. I'll share one with you in a minute. I've got a really good one. <laughs> okay, so we're living stones and it talks about that in Peter. Let's just turn for a minute to Corinthians. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but ah, you just have to deal with it. I love you. 1 Corinthians 3, can we turn there to verse 9? I just want to bring out a few points and then I want to wrap them up together and just show you what it means to be a temple of truth. I think we've got so many ideas and almost so many stable ideas that, can they just be smashed this morning? Can we smash a few mindsets? Can we just, yeah, just put them aside. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. I bring this verse up for this reason. We are called to be a community. God gives different pictures about the church in order for us to have an enlarged aspect of what he's called us to be. Those three things, workers, fields, and buildings, are very different. I'm sorry, a building can't work, and a field doesn't shelter me. You get what I'm saying. Three different pictures. God is all about building community. In a community, we need workers. In a community, we need buildings. And in a community, we need a place to go get our food, true? I appreciate having all those three things. And that is what God wants for us. In verse 11, it says this. Hang on a second, let me finish that. There's nothing wrong with time, that's all right. Verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than that that was already laid, which is Jesus Christ. I bring that up because it's really important. Verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Do we know that? I bring up those two points, community and God's spirit lives within you. So living stones, what are they? What does that look like? You know, it, it looks like us. <laughs> it's true. Tiffany's responding. Come on, work with me, guys. Spiritual stones. 
That's what we're called to be. It's interesting that Peter brings it up, doesn't he? Because that was part of his identity revealed through Jesus, that we're stones. And so when Peter goes to talk about the church, he starts bringing up these stones. God has created us as living stones. And the cool thing about stones is, I don't know, I'm, su I'm sure you guys can use your imaginations, but when I think of living stones being placed together, it's not like bricks of a building. It's not like the bricks that you put your house together. We're not all the same shapes and cuts. It's a bit more like the retaining wall in my backyard with stones of all shapes and sizes. Some are big and have really sharp edges. Others are small and they're just like stuffed in there. But without that small one stuffed in there, the whole lot would kind of come tumbling down. There's ones with nice flat round edges. There's a variety of different stones. And what a stonemason does is they place them together in such a way that they complement, don't they? They hold together. We're spiritual stones. And I know we've said it before in this church, but I really want it to be heard again. You are created individually, beautifully unique, perfect. God's chosen workmanship, God's chosen craftsmanship. You're not supposed to look like the person sitting next to you. I think in church for too long we've had this thing that we need to look like that person or this person or this person, but we just need to be secure in who God created us to be and that is where you are able to work from your maximum strength. True? But we also need to be secure that we weren't created to work on our own. We were never created to be on our own. We were always created for community and for family. And the absolute perfect example of this is I, on my own, cannot create a baby. I know our world has made it look like it is possible for me on my own to create a baby, but the truth is I absolutely need a man. Yeah. So... Within family, we need that togetherness. Within our spiritual lives, we need togetherness. Because whilst we are a very strong people, and I want to keep re-emphasizing that because I think it is undervalued, we are strong, we are created for strength, we are created to reveal God's glory. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a great deal of life in you, and he has not finished with you yet because you are still here on this earth. So there is still growth to be done. With all of that in mind, we have weakness. And we're supposed to, because we're supposed to stand next to somebody else who reveals that strength of God. I love this picture of living stones being placed together and building a spiritual house because it means that in my weakness, others have to come along and be my strength. Can I get maybe um, Alex on one side, Ellie on the other? Are you able to come stand either side of me? Yeah, maybe, maybe, so everyone can see. All right, both of you just push in on my shoulders really hard. Uh, like, really hard. Okay. <laughs> All right. This just shows the effect of a living stone. Okay, now I'm going to try and fall over. 
All right, beautiful. Thank you, you two. All right, bit of dramatization. That is real life. That's how it works. I know. Push, push me around, hey, Tiff? <laughs> I tell you, as hard as it was yesterday, I really fought. I was quite unwell yesterday. And I, I really fought that. And I just think God was just making an example out of it. But, you know, I'm not saying he made me sick, but he, he created a great example. Yesterday, I had to ring our leaders, contact our leaders, because you might notice that um, Chad's not here this morning. Where is Chad? Chad's been over, um, Bill Johnson's here at the moment at Whitehorse, so he went and spent some time with some leaders over there, which is fantastic. Good to rub shoulders with others and just be encouraged and to hear what God's saying for Australia and for internationally. Um, he's also preaching in some friends of ours church in Melbourne at Hope City Church. Why not? He's there. He's a mighty gift. Why not release him so that he can um, preach into some other churches? Um, Rob and Maureen, where are they? They can, they can preach. I can call on them. I'm like, leaders, I'm not feeling well. So two things. I'm going to do my best to get to church tomorrow, but I need your prayers. So you know what that is? That is a wall, that is a stone standing next to me, holding me up. I can pray for myself, but I need corporate prayer. I'm not fighting this on my own. Will you help me? On the other side... I said, guys, I need you to be prepared. If, I, if for some reason I'm going to do everything I can to be here, but if I can't be here, I need you to have something. Be prepared. Do you know what that is? That is stone by stone standing together. We as a church, we are not spiritual stones standing on our own. We are a spiritual house. We work together. And <laughs> you can clap that. <laughs> Thank you, darling. In all of our lives, we have areas where we are going at it for God. And there are times when we feel like we are stumbling. And listen to me on this one. It is our responsibility to trust people around us so that we can build strength, so that we don't have the opportunity to fall. It is my responsibility to build relationships with others that I can call upon them when I start to get weak. It is my responsibility as their friends, as their living stones, as partners in this church, to when I see someone starting to fall, to actually step up and say, God says this about you. Remember? This is who you are. Don't fall down right now. This is who you're created to be. Come on. You can do it. You can do it. Like a good coach. When I see that I, you know, God just sends me a message and he just says, send this scripture to such and such. Well, then I have to be obedient. Send that scripture out to encourage them. That is standing beside, covering their weakness and holding them up. Here is the scripture. This is for you. Here is a text message to say, right at this minute, I am praying for you. Here is a phone call to say, I know that someone is sick in your house. How are they doing? We, each and every one of us, needs to be, um, we need to understand how powerful we are in supporting others around us 
and then also be willing to ask when we're struggling. Now, this is when it's important that we have relationship. And it's important to build relationship sometimes when you're not struggling. <laughs> now, you can build relationship when you're struggling too, but this is why it is important to build relationship well within the church. This is why church is important. You can do life with God outside of church and on your own. It just makes you a little weaker. That's not bad, but come on. We have a unity of strength here. Um, Ellie talked about it this morning, that oil of anointing. There is something in our togetherness that brings a bigger picture of who God is. And we all need that revelation at different times. Who appreciated Daryl's words last week? Did you get a word? It was great coming from somebody else, hey? And we all have moments when we need that. And we can be that for each other. That is the purpose of this building together. That is why we gather together. And we don't just gather together here on Sundays. We gather together in different places all during the week. Now, I've got no time what, what time I started. I've got no idea what time I started. So, Alex, you can be my guide. How's that? <laughs> Matthew 27. That's my child losing it. Another one of my um, support stones this morning was a babysitter. <laughs> Narissa, can you help me? <laughs> So the temple of God, meeting together to be encouraged, to grow, to just meet with the presence of God, is not a man-made idea. It's a God idea. And in fact, it didn't even start in the New Testament with Jesus. It started way back, way back in the Old Testament. And we see it through the picture of the tabernacle. Do we remember the tabernacle? God comes and he speaks to Moses and he reveals like an intricate plan. What's it called, um, Ellie? What's it called when you have a design for a house? Is it blueprints? Yeah. So God gives a blueprint to Moses and he says, this is how you build the tabernacle. And I really encourage you to go back and read over the tabernacle because some of the just intricate details that come out of that are actually revelation for some of our understandings of what's going on now. You know, a number of years ago, um, uh, I mean, it's been happening for years, but a number of years ago in this place, we started seeing gold dust occur. Who remembers that? Yeah, a few of you. Um, and it would happen, like, we'd just be in prayer meetings and, and it would start to appear and it was like, what is going on? I remember one day I was actually in the Philippines and my black pants just became like shimmering gold. And I was like, what makeup did I use this morning? Like, you know, we try and think of all the physical ways it could have occurred. But then we just had to keep reminding ourselves, no, this is just the presence of God revealing it, revealing himself to us. Why does he do it like that? Well, I don't know. But it doesn't surprise me when I read the story about the tabernacle. Because lots of things were covered in gold. And Jesus resides in my temple. And therefore he reveals it with gold on me? Well, why does that surprise me? 
I know some of you are like, gold, really? It's okay, it's all right. (laughs) In some churches, there's been jewels dropped. Why jewels? Well, look into it in the tabernacle. Look into it in the picture of the temple. What do jewels represent? You know, maybe it's just a truth that God's trying to reveal. There's lots of other examples that I can give. But when you look at the story of the tabernacle, you start to understand more what oil is. You start to understand more potentially what are flowers about because there are like flowers engraved on things and there's like cherubim with like big wings and what does that mean? And, and the, um, the measurements, if you go into the measurements, it's quite amazing. Anyway, so God, <laughs> I'm getting so distracted here. Come on, work with me. Don't get too quiet because I'm going to start going into like a long story. The tabernacle was God's first place where he resided here on earth in a structure. And he gave Moses this perfect blueprint that was to be followed. And so that was done and that was fulfilled. And that is where God's presence rested within the Holy of Holies. We come along further in the Old Testament and there's King David. He's just built himself a palace. And he's like, I'm living in this amazing palace. How good is my life? And he looks out and he sees the tabernacle, which has followed um, all the generations along the way and been lost for a few years here, but it's come back. And anyway, so now it's out the front of the palace and David looks out of his palace and he goes, why is God who I love residing in a tent when I'm living in a palace? I should build him a temple. What a good thought to have. What a mighty man is David. He was like close with God. He must be hearing God. So he says to his friend Nathan, who is a prophet, this is the idea that I've had. And Nathan's like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then Nathan goes before God. And God says, not now. Your timing is not right. I know you want to build a house for me, but it is not the right time yet. Wait. So many years later, King Solomon also decides, I will build a temple for God. And God now says it is time and reveals his blueprint again. And it is under King Solomon that a palace is built, a temple is built, mind you, and this temple is built in seven years the way that God has destined it to be built. Temple is not a man-made idea. Temple is 100% a God-given idea. And the God who gave the blueprints for the tabernacle and the temple, now, in the time of Jesus being here on earth, has revealed that he is going to set up a temple made up of people. I can't get into that fully, but I get into this. Matthew 27, verse 31. I want to share something with you here. Jesus is on the cross. Jesus, the foundation of this church. You ready? If you're in this room this morning and you don't know Jesus, it's okay, I'll introduce you in a minute. Jesus is on the cross. And it says this. Have you got it up on the screen? Because... It's verse 51, that's why I'm not not reading it properly. 
And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit, meaning he died. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. Why are we a temple here on earth? Because we are supposed to reveal the presence of God. I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, but the temple of the Old Testament, the temple that was built by King Solomon and replicated, that had a curtain within it. And it is the curtain that separated common man from God. It was only the holy priest that could enter the holy of holies in order to meet with the presence of God. When Jesus died on the cross, he declared, it is finished. And torn from not bottom to top, but top to bottom, was a curtain that separated man from God. And now everybody can enter into the most holy place and meet with the presence of God. How cool is that? That is what Jesus is to us. And that is the foundation on which we stand as living stones. The separation of man from God is complete when you come and meet God face to face, heart to heart. You accept that what Jesus did on the cross was not something for other people, but it is actually something for us. God came, Jesus came, that we no longer had to be separated, that we no longer had to walk in a temple made by man to meet with God, but we accept him and then he comes to live in us. Why do we meet as a temple of the church? I mean, that's a funny name, of temple. We don't really use that in our society, do we? Except when we're talking about other temples. But why do we come together as a people of God? Why are we living stones? Why are we a spiritual house? Beautiful. So we can encourage each other, so we can strengthen each other. But more than that, so that others have the opportunity to walk in and meet with God. We're here for us to grow and to be encouraged. We're here as a community of believers so that we can grow and encourage each other. But we are here also so that others can come in and experience the love of God. Yeah? <laughs> Our church looks like this at the moment. And we stand with these pillars and we're trusting that those who come into our midst will experience them. They will experience growth in who they're called to be and in growth in encouraging others to be who they're called to be. We gather together. We, we trust that we're going to have prophetic words for others. I hope that if you got a prophetic word last week, that your mission this week has been to give a prophetic word to someone else. You hadn't thought of it like that, had you? There is something within all of us that has, that from what we get, we can give, even if it starts off little. So trust the God in you that whatever you've started to get in church, you can begin to release. Okay? It's for you. It doesn't have to look the same in your releasing as it does, say, from me. You don't have to be quite so wild. Be you. 
but be activated. Um, generations. When it comes to our building, our life and these spiritual stones, we need to understand that some of what we're doing right now doesn't make sense to us. Some of you have asked the question, why am I still in Victor? You will possibly never know for you, but it may well be for the children coming after you. Some of the questions that you're asking, you may never know the answer to. But we need to trust that we're building generationally. There's something that we really struggle with in this day and age because everything is instant access, instant success. Maybe the picture you see here today isn't exactly what you want it to be. This isn't exactly what I want church to look like. But who knows, you may be part of um, the foundation of something that is much greater. One thing that I thought about when I thought about living stones is when it talks about them in the Old Testament, when it talks about stones being collected and placed together, what's it often talking about? Monuments. Quite often churches and the churches you go into some of their history and actually um, um, Margot your book has a lot about the history of the Victor Harbour in it is that true the churches uh, it's Australia wide hey sorry Australia wide Margot's got a really good book about some of the the history of the church some of the the monuments of the past and it's good to go back and read over to be reminded of what God has done and what God is doing but it's good to look at the churches around this, this area and not just see them as a building now where a few people meet, but actually look into their history and see what has God spoken over this area. They're, they're monuments of what God has done and something of who we are is also to be a monument for the future generations. I know that kind of sounds bad, but it's not a bad thing because it's good to see what God is, has done to be reminded of how far we've come. True? You guys are very quiet. This is who we are. We're a beautiful group of people. And we can only continue to grow in all that God's got for us um, and to keep launching others off of our shoulders as we continue to be an encouraging people. If there are any stones in this place and you struggle with gossip... I'm going to encourage you this morning to be accountable, to get alongside someone who doesn't and to say, hold me accountable because I don't want to be a part of people who tear down the walls in this church. If you are a people who struggle with um, being negative about other people, then today I want you to get around someone who's accountable, who you can be accountable to and find the courage to become positive about other Christians because we are living stones built to build each other up, not to tear each other down. If you struggle in any way with any of the other churches around this area, then see the prophetic um, pictures that have been spoken over the church lives and over those people and pray into them and continue to encourage the other churches in this area because we are called to be a people who raise up, who push in, who cover each other's weaknesses and see God's glory revealed in this place. That is how the community of Victor Harbour is going to grow and is going to be nourished and is going to be fed. It's as if we reveal, it's as we reveal 
the love of God. We don't protect other people's wrongs. No. If you do the wrong thing, you have to suffer the consequence. But what we do do is we encourage each other and we lift each other up. Does that make sense? (laughs) We're a church of excellence. And we become excellent by just revealing who God is in the fullness of his glory. We acknowledge we have weakness, but through him and through others we find strength. True? Church. (laughs) Alex, I told you to hold me accountable to time. Can I just again, can I just open our minds when it comes to who he has called us to be? I sat up the other night and I don't want you to hold me to account to this. (laughs) Just say that first. Don't come to me and ask, when am I going to do this? But, um, um, but I woke up in the middle of the night the other night and I was reminded of a, um, a village, an elderly home village that had been created in Europe. And it was for people with, I believe, dementia. And this community was created with great um, innovation. So it was a community that was designed for people, um, yeah, like I said, with dementia but it was designed as if they were living 20 years ago or 30 years ago because people with dementia can remember 30 years ago, 40 years ago, but they can't remember yesterday. Okay, so this village was built in such a way that they could enjoy life how they remembered it when they were in their 30s and 40s. So the picture theatre, the shops, they had bicycles to ride around in. Everything was set up like that. Everything was set up so if they went and spent lots of money in a shop... No problems, they didn't lose lots of money. The people knew that they were from that village, so they would then come later, take those things out of their house, they're not going to remember anyway, replace their money, etc., etc. <laughs> anyway, I know, classic. So I remembered reading about this, and I just got inspired to just look it up again, and so I started to look it up. And... You know, I, I just started imagining what could it be if something like that was set up in Victor. Imagine, you know, because we're called to have heaven invade earth. And I believe part of heaven invading earth is just to make life here enjoyable. Imagine being a family member, and, I, and I've had a family member who's been sick with dementia. Imagine being able to go, I know that they're entrusted care. Imagine a village that is established like that. Why am I saying this? <laughs> well, from that, I started dreaming about other possibilities. And to the point where I downloaded all of the well-being um, brochures for what the city of Alexandrina wants for the next 10 years. And I think it was 10 years. And the same for Victor Harbour. And I went through them all. And I started dreaming of what our community could be. By the time Chad woke up, I told him that I probably need to run for mayor. And then an hour later, when sleep caught up on me, I decided that wasn't such a good idea. So, like I said, don't hold me to this. What I say is this, is as a community, we have the great potential to supporting each other and dreaming big 
to really make a massive difference in this community. We can have a city of Victor Harbour and a and Gulwa and everything in between. We can have it look like heaven invading earth. But we need to be activated in our small way, in our big way. We are big as individuals. We are big together. And more than that, we have a mighty God who works through all of us. One more picture. I know now I'm stopping you clapping. I'm like, let me get on with my time. Quickly, quickly. One more picture. I've always joked in this house. I don't know if I've joked. I've kind of just thrown it out there hoping someone would grab a hold of it, but no one ever did. Um, about having a roller coaster coming into church. Yeah? Yes. I know some are like, yes, she did. Yes, yes. I pictured something like the mad, is it the mad mouse that's at the Royal Adelaide show? Anyway of an adventure to get into church. Um, I got a painting on the children's church wall. See that? That was for me. Anyway, church is big. Church is what it looks like can be amazing. I lay there dreaming in bed this week about a church that the whole thing is an adventure playground. You know, have you ever read Revelation 21 and just looked at the picture of heaven and just dreamed? Imagine church where people could come to it and it's just a whole adventure and every ride is about experiencing heaven. (laughs) And every ride is free. Imagine church where you walk through um, a building and every room is like an adventure room and And it's painted different ways, but everything is an experience of heaven. And there is like praise in one room. Imagine just not wanting to leave the different rooms because you're so experiencing the presence of heaven. Can you only imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? There are like so many realms of possibilities. And I think we've, I'm kind of saying these out loud because I'm hoping someone will hear and run with it. And um, I'm hoping my children will not have a small mindset of church into the future, but they will dream big. They will dream so big. I'm hoping, I don't know, I just want to see a greater measure of who God is. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Church is about us being able to come and experience the presence of God. Remember, the curtain is torn, meeting with God face to face. Church is about others coming in and being able to experience God, being able to accept Jesus as their Lord, just like Peter did on that day. Church is about excellence, us being the fullness of who we're called to be, of being faithful in all areas of our life. Church is about being consistent. It's being about being strengthened. It's about growing in love. And Bayside Church... That's who we're called to be. Yeah? This is us. Do you think we can just jump up and let us just like worship God one more time for this morning? Have you got that in you? Let's do it.
you, Jesus. Can you feel the oil dripping? <laughs> oil of anointing. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.